Good morning and welcome to another July edition of the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. I'm once again your hostess with the mostest, Jorna Taylor, as our friend Matt Brusky is still out and about seeing the better parts of our great country with his family for the next week and a half. However, we do have a light panel today, but it does include on his way to Orlando, Florida, Executive Director of Citizen Action, Robert Craig. Coming to you live and direct from the airport, Robert. Good morning, Jorna. Good to be with you. Good morning, Robert. Well, so we're gonna we're gonna run through some exciting things today to keep your July rolling right along in the topics of politics and everything else you need to know about our great state here. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about outsourcing and our good friends at WEDAC. And then we're going to move right along to all GOP all the time and talk about some of our most favorite elected officials from Wisconsin that you could possibly think of, followed by some conversation about the Democratic Platform Committee debate that's going on right now. And Robert's going to give you all the insider information that you need to know about that. And finally, we're going to talk about hate speech being free speech when it's said by some fear-mongering conservatives in Wisconsin. So with that, let's let's talk about some of our, our oldies but goodies favorites, Robert. Let's talk about WEDEC. Um, I see that this week's Citizen Action uh, release some information from an open records request uh, that, that WEDEC actually doesn't report anything about outsourcing when they give businesses money? Tell, tell me more, Robert. Yeah, and let me rewind slightly to uh, 2014. The listeners remember, uh, no doubt, that uh, Scott Walker started running TV ads against Murray Burke based on Trek Bicycle uh, having outsourced jobs out of the state of Wisconsin. And the retort and the counter ads became, well, his Failed jobs agency, WEDAC, gives all sorts of money to companies that turn around and outsource more jobs than they create. And so at that time, in 2014, WEDAC had new policies that were going to close the loopholes, allegedly. We at the time at Citizen Action said they didn't, but their big shiny one was that every company that was going to outsource jobs was taking our money for job creation or was going to downsize more jobs than, than they currently have in the state would have to report. 30 days in advance to WEDAC, so WEDAC would be on top of it. So two years later, we thought we would do an open records request. We actually asked them without an open records request, and they act like we didn't know what they were, we were talking about. So we did an open records request, and the result is it took a lawyer 11 hours to go through all the files, so there's no one on top of this at all, because they actually, I think, probably want companies to outsource, because uh, that's the, their, their, their idea is to help well-connected corporations, not to help, not to aid workers or expand opportunity. So not only to take the, to take the lawyer 11 hours, he found zero notifications, despite a large number of, of uh, different instances in the last two years where companies have been caught outsourcing uh, while taking state money. So they're not tracking it whatsoever, and that's what we revealed. It's not a shock, but it's very disturbing, and I think it reinforces our view that this outsourcing uh, when you're taking public money to create jobs is not an accident, that it's, it's actually government policy, that they're part of aiding and abetting the outsourcers, the Walker administration and, and WEDEC are. 
So, unfortunately, this is radio, so you can't see my shocked face, which looks the same as my everyday face, that Weedek <laughs> is once again doing nothing and, you know, allowing companies to spend Wisconsin taxpayer dollars however they feel like with, with no oversight. And, you know, perhaps they thought that since it's an election year, they could just sort of skate under the radar and, you know, we'd stop going after them for being completely incompetent. Uh, what what can we do right now, Robert, to continue to put pressure on WEDEC to stop being such a debacle? Well, there were two different bills that every Republican in the legislature voted down, one that would have denied any tax credits or job creation dollars to any company that outsources for five years, that is Senator Hansen's bill in the Senate and Representative Jorgensen and Colsey's bill in the Assembly. And then uh, Representative Barca and Senator Loss had another bill uh, that made it much harder uh, to, to outsource and take money, saying that you can't basically that you can't have a net loss of jobs and get public money for job creation. Uh, those went down on party line votes, and so in these elections, it needs to be made clear that every member of, of the Assembly and the Senate who is a Republican essentially voted to um, enable outsourcing and to give our public dollars to companies engaged in outsourcing, even when they outsource more jobs than we pay them to create. And so they're all part of the rigged economy, and if voters know that, I think it has a big impact in this election, because it, outsourcing is not some 60-40 issue. It's a 90-10 issue. Really, corporate CEOs and their boards are, and are the only people who uh, support outsourcing, and certainly public support for outsourcing is incredibly unpopular. I, I can't imagine why, when there's a lot of folks on that are unemployed in Wisconsin, we'd be worried about outsourcing jobs here in the state. Um, seems a little bit ridiculous to me. And we'll talk a little bit more about TPP, the Transfer Partnership, later. But we think that these issues, if Democrats will use them and take strong stands on them, are going to be dynamite in this election because the public is just come to the conclusion. There was a poll two weeks ago that 71% of the public thinks the economy is rigged against average people. So this is the smoking gun of the rigged economy, and WEDEC not even tracking outsourcing after they promised two years ago that that was their major reform is just more evidence that not only do they not care, uh, we've had comments from heads of WEDEC in the past uh, uh, two and a half years where they think it's a good thing because it makes companies more competitive, quote-unquote. question is competitive for who? Well, and let's be really clear. Wisconsin voters are going to have a lot of opportunities, and they're having some right now to ask their Assembly and State Senate candidates about this exact thing and, and how they feel about outsourcing and how they feel about the debacle that WEDEC is. You know, I mean, having been being a veteran of campaigns myself, uh, I've been to a lot of dairy breakfasts and parades and festivals and all sorts of things in the summer across Wisconsin, which are host to every form of candidate for every local and uh, statewide office. So I would encourage Wisconsin voters to get on out there to their local dairy breakfast and ask candidates how they feel about WEDAC and about outsourcing Wisconsin jobs. Yes, and if they're Republican, why they voted to allow them to do so and not hold them and not to hold them accountable. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure that our friends at WEDEC will be back in the news and back on the podcast before this election season is over. Um, next week. Ne- next week, as, as Brian Wildridge is chiming in here, next week we'll have more on WEDEC. Um, but I want to switch focus, not even focus, but switch topics a little bit and to more of a national stage, because if folks had noticed, there's a presidential election going on and, you know, this little thing. And this month is host to both the Republican and the Democratic conventions in uh, Cleveland and Philadelphia, respectively. And breaking news as of yesterday, 
our own governor, Scott Walker, is going to speak at the Republican convention. And this prompted him to send out a really strong tweet in support of Donald Trump that says, and I quote, last August, I said I'd support the GOP nominee. It's now clear who the RNC delegates will vote to nominate. And he is better than she is, period. Robert, that's a pretty strong statement coming from our governor. You think he's still, uh, you know, praying for that veep spot? He has impressive gymnastic skills after telling us that we had to have Ted Cruz uh, <laughs> and calling Trump a dummy in a fundraising appeal during when he was running for president himself, which is what uh, caused Trump to attack him and destroy his candidacy. Um, I'm glad to see that he's now in line and he knows that he is simply a junior executive in Mr. Trump's campaign. And so I'm sure he'll say really good things at the convention about how wonderful a Trump administration will be. So it, it, it should be it's fascinating to see uh, these kind of you know gymnastic capacities among our right-wing elected leaders. You know, it's it. I'm really looking forward to watching the RNC convention because I feel like it's all going to be like Chris Christie when he was standing behind Trump during uh, the election, and it was you know blink twice if you're being held hostage type look on his face. I feel like everybody up there is going to look like that. Kept calling him Mr. Trump. <laughs> oh boy, uh, Aaron boy. Now, well, partly what's going on here is is that uh, Mr. Christie and Mr. Walker. And Mr. Ryan were all creations in part of the Koch brothers and their donor network, which has pumped hundreds of millions of dollars into these elections. So apparently they got the go sign uh, from uh, Koch headquarters that it was now time to say you were for Mr. Trump. It is definitely time when your mere day is out from their convention. It might be time to say he instead of his orangeness. Do you think we could get Walker to say his orangeness? Probably not. That would be sweet. Uh, other people from Wisconsin who are really wholeheartedly supporting his orangeness include our favorite U.S. Senator, Ron Johnson. Uh, what endorses but does not support or supports that doesn't endorse, I, I get confused. I, I, I actually, I get confused as well because he and some other Senate Republicans are meeting with his orangeness today, and that's Thursday because we record on Thursdays. And so you may have more late-breaking information by the time you hear about this, but Senator Johnson is hoping that these Republicans can find, quote, areas of agreement with his orangeness and that they will get closer to the Ryan House GOP plan than to the Trump agenda. Now, he that last part is added by me, but uh, I think this speaks volumes to what is happening within the Republican Party. Robert, what do you think? Well, if you read uh, Jane Meyer's excellent book, Dark Money, which I recommend to the readers, which is really about the whole development of the right-wing billionaire conspiracy that's taken over the Republican Party, uh, the Ryan budget uh, was developed by right-wing think tanks. It was part of a Coke donor network strategy, and it was designed to it change the whole debate about budget and taxes and spending in this country and, and successfully done so. So now this is clearly this Coke-funded product that is the Ryan budget and the Ryan poverty plan and all of these, and all of these different things can make it this product be adopted by Mr. Trump. 
And they've had a lot of trouble controlling Mr. Trump. They couldn't defeat Mr. Trump. So this is just the various minions who were elected with uh, right-wing billionaire money uh, trying to put some kind of pressure on Mr. Trump to leverage something. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Trump has proved himself to be entirely uncontrollable, but they are trying to cocaize him as we speak. I mean, if anybody can do it, maybe it's the Koch brothers. I, I don't know, though. I mean, his orangeness is a wild is a wild card, a loose cannon, if you will. Um, I think it'll be interesting, you know. And and Mr. Johnson has said that he will not be at the convention, so he's just going to stay out of all of that fray of having to actually, you know, be accountable for allowing this to be the GOP nominee, um, especially when you know back home in Wisconsin, he's. He's trailing behind Russ Feingold. Well, he's conferring with voters, Jorna, because he needs to <laughs> yes. hear from voters what his position on TPP should be, remember? So apparently that listening is still going on. So he's too busy doing that to go to the convention. Though I'll take a bet from anyone who, uh, as to whether Mr. Johnson, even if he opposes, ends up opposing TPP in this election, uh, doesn't vote for it in the lame duck session if it comes in front of him. But, but Robert, he said when he was asked if he plans to announce his decision on TPP before the election, he just said no. I mean, there's still a lot of reading to do. And I don't know that he's, you know, been in the, been able to actually get through the whole document because there's not a lot of pictures, I assume, in the document. I mean, it was a good six weeks ago, but Russ Feingold and his campaign staff were telling us that their FOIA request had shown that his staff actually hadn't been reading and no one had been reading the TPP from the Johnson office. I don't know that maybe they've been caught up or are going to catch up by skipping the convention. <laughs> yes, perhaps that's it, doing the people's business. Um, so Ron Johnson, hoping that we get closer to the Paul Ryan plan, brings us to my favorite congressman, Paul Ryan, who... This week, there was some breaking news that coming out of the FBI that said that Hillary Clinton will not be charged with any wrongdoing. Our friend Paul Ryan says, oh, no, no, not so fast, FBI. The GOP will definitely hold hearings on what a horrible, awful person these Clintons are who want to, quote, live above the law and that, quote, people have been convicted for far less. So, another Republican witch hunt, another Republican waste of taxpayer dollars, and another Republican stunt during an election year. I think it looks good for them, Robert. What do you think? It's pretty unprecedented to have a Justice Department and an FBI decide that there's no case to be made uh, of crimes against someone, and then having more than double jeopardy, having multiple House committees go and start their own rogue investigation, as if anyone is going to believe uh, their conclusions, as if Hillary could get a fair trial among any of these people. I mean, the Republican Party of today in the, in the House of Representatives is the most right-wing party in American history, and they, they think she's guilty for being her, even if they had no evidence. So it's an absurd exercise. It's really just attempt, an attempt uh, to keep it in the news um, and, try, and try to make a scandal out of it. I mean, that's the only way you can describe it. And I was watching um, the Kelly Files which I, on Fox News, which I know you're a big fan of, Jorna. I really am. And she had... Uh, uh, Ryan on to uh, make this grave announcement that he would be continuing uh, his, you know, their investigations. 
And so I know, I think Comey is testifying today, if I'm not mistaken. So yesterday when the podcast is posted uh, before one of these rogue panels. But they're getting pretty close to having the, you know, House Un-American Affairs Activity uh, Committee uh, go after a presidential candidate at this stage. When when you watched them on the Kelly file, were they like holding hands and skipping through a field with excitement that now they could continue to attack Hillary Clinton on this for the next, you know, four or five months? Well, they made him, you know, he looked very grave and it looked like they let him uh, uh, go at least a day and a half without shaving so uh-huh. that he looked kind of, uh, you know, more, more, uh, more, more daunting and, and uh, in some way. It seemed like there was all all very well uh, confabulated. Here's the thing, though. There are a lot of people who think that uh, Comey's uh, remarks are damaging in a lot of ways, even though Hillary will not be prosecuted. And uh, that they're, they're making a mistake because by making this so partisan, having all these hearings, they're actually going to uh, damage themselves on this issue. In other words, any, there are a number of fair-minded people who, while uh, they may not think Hillary should be prosecuted, think she made huge mistakes as Secretary of State based on uh, the FBI uh, director's findings, but that's all going to be uh, go by the wayside now that they have made this super partisan and started their own series of investigations. Well, I'm sure that that Ryan looked like that because he's been staying up late nights contemplating what to do about this latest grave injustice committed by the Democratic Party. You know, this, this seems like the same sort of thing and the same sort of um, weight given to the 10,152 votes to repeal Obamacare that they've done in the House, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, look, there. basically there's no distinction in their minds between the public business, what Congress does, and their political aspirations and their, and their desire for complete absolute power. That's what this shows. Congress is just an instrument of political attack now, and that's it. And that's happened other times in American history, but this is going to be a new era of that as long as they hold a majority. And they hold a majority, as we know, because the, map, the, stack is, stack is, the deck is stacked because of gerrymand, partisan gerrymandering. And he's probably working on some gun control laws because we don't have a gun issue here. Ooh, Brian Wildridge with the zingers. <laughs> Coming after the... Uh... The GOP House, absolutely. So we can, you know, waste all of the summer doing nothing and continuing to not do the will of the work of the people. And so that's good. I, I, I feel good about all of that. But Yeah, and that's an important story, Jorna, that Ryan had given in and was going to have a vote on the gun control legislation, yeah. the reasonable safeguards uh, legislation. And then the Freedom Caucus went crazy, and so now he's reneging. And uh, claim that they don't want to reward rule breakers who have had a sit in. In other words, their colleagues in the side of the aisle. So he, he can't even get he can't, you know, the Freedom Caucus has raised its ugly head again. Can we? Even when Ryan tries to at least try to defuse the situation to at least have a vote, not a vote that would have succeeded, but a vote nonetheless. You know, many good movements throughout history have taken back words, and I would like to take back freedom. Yeah. From the supposed Freedom Caucus, which the is neither Freedom free caucus, or the Anti Freedom Caucus, we should call it the Anti Freedom Caucus. That'll do it. I mean, they really are the Anti Freedom Caucus. They don't actually care about the freedoms of people across the country. They just care about their right wing agenda. Um, but speaking of people who actually do care, we, most of the time, let's be honest, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, people who do care about freedom 
and access to democracy and a level playing field and lifting people up and not keeping them down. Um, Robert, you are on your way to Orlando for some really exciting work that you have been doing, but now you're going to do in person. You're on your way for the Democratic Platform Committee. Tell us more. So I am a voting member of the Platform Committee. It's been in the news a lot, um, and it's meeting uh, Friday and Saturday and perhaps Sunday in Orlando, depending on how long all this takes. And uh, I'm one of the three uh, people from Wisconsin, and I'm a Bernie, uh, a Bernie person on it. So is Mary Butari from uh, Center for Media and Democracy, and then the Clinton uh, platform committee member is, is Nate Schwantz from Planned Parenthood. Um, but there's some, been some major progress on this platform. It is arguably now, even now, uh, the most progressive platform in the history of the Democratic Party. But there's still, in fact, uh, it was just announced yesterday, uh, that is Wednesday, uh, that uh, there's been a major deal about free college education, guaranteeing free college education. So. Uh, Bernie has, uh, has worked out a deal with Hillary that, that creates a very strong position. Um, but there's the biggest outstanding issue, and there are a few major outstanding issues, and some of those are in foreign policy and Palestine-Israel uh, conflict. But the biggest one that's gotten the most attention is, is that the draft platform is neutral on the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP. And there has been an outpouring on that, and that will be one of the major votes in Jim Hightower, uh, one of Bernie's uh, platform committee members will be introducing um, a motion to, uh, to to oppose the TPP. Uh, there are going to be 30 Bernie amendments, and I actually got one of them. Um, since there's going to be a vote uh, by Bernie to go to a Canadian-style Medicare for All model, which will not succeed, someone's offering that amendment. I'm offering an amendment that will allow states to do that and will remove the barriers to states experimenting with a with either very strong public options or a Medicare for All model. And we actually think that one uh, could succeed, that, uh, that Hillary Clinton is strong on health care issues and, could, and may accept that amendment. So that's the one I'm offering. Uh, Mary Butari is offering an amendment uh, for uh, uh, paid family leave and paid sick days, which hopefully will succeed, I think, has a good chance of succeeding as well. So there's a lot going on. It, from, I don't know what you think, Jorna, but uh, to, to my mind, the more progressive this platform is, the more unified this party is going to be, and the stronger a candidate Hillary is going to be in the general election, because she really needs to both uh, solidify the Democrat base and all the young people who came in and uh, to politics around Bernie's campaign in, in order to be a, in order to be a very strong candidate. Then she can strike out and try to get other voters who are appalled by his orangeness. Uh, well, you know that. While I am a Clinton supporter, I definitely agree that a more progressive agenda across the board is the only way that Democrats can go right now from, you know, top of the ticket all the way on down. We have to stop being afraid to run on those issues that are at the core of our belief system. And so I'm actually personally disappointed that, you know, we're not going to have an opposition to TPP on the actual platform, it looks like. Um, well, I, th I, think it, I think there's a good chance of us winning that one. Uh, I really do. There's been massive mobilizations around that. And in fact, Brian will provide a link. Uh, we have our own petition because I want to be able to say how many Citizen Action members and supporters urged us, urged the platform committee to oppose TPP and to take a strong stand against it. And so uh, Brian will provide a link to that. But we're asking for people to show their support as well. But a whole lot of other uh, national groups are heavily involved. So, And by the way, it's a big issue, George for electability in the upper Midwest, right, in the industrial states. 
So his orangeness uh, tries to claim he's against these rigged global agreements. So we cannot have a Democratic Party neutral on TPP, because that would be very damaging in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, other, other industrial states. Robert, if you don't get your way on TPP, will you challenge everybody on the platform committee to arm wrestle a la Paul Nalen and Paul Ryan? Fortunately, as exciting as that would be, especially for Jorna, um, I don't have to because if 25% of the platform committee signs a minority report, which I would do, then the TPP provision would go for an up or down vote at the whole convention. And that's why I think we get a deal, because I don't know that this Democratic convention uh, would actually vote as a majority to uh, be neutral on TPP. So and I, I think Hillary's campaign knows that and would prefer to avoid such a vote. Yes, yes, you and your democracies and, and whatever. But don't you think arm wrestling would be more exciting? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. I mean, you know, you're talking about some pretty heavy stuff, frankly, Robert, with, you know, we're actually trying to move a progressive agenda for America that helps people all across the country and really tries to right a lot of the wrongs that the GOP has inflicted across, you know, so many states for so many years. So, um, you know, I just think we need to we need to lighten the situation a little bit and get back to some, you know, hand to hand, good old fashioned arm wrestling. So you don't want to hear about the global warming amendments because that's an area that needs strengthening. You want to just arm wrestle. That's good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's what the people want, you know, Jesse Ventura style. Um, so we look forward to hearing your report back next week, Robert, from all the time you spend in Disney World instead of debating the Democratic Party platform. <clears throat> Actually, it's at a hotel at the mouth of Universal Studios. Oh, oh better yet. You, I don't, I've never been to Universal Studios, so I look forward to uh, all of your Facebook pictures and selfies with you and your other platform nerdy friends. Uh, well, as you, as you might imagine, Robert would not be staying at the actual official hotel that I'm staying on point nearby. Of course he's not. But probably at a hotel Journey would not stay at. <laughs> Absolutely true. I like hotels that have their doors on the inside of the building. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that all being said, um, I want to switch to something very, very local to round out our friends in the uh, political spectrum. Robert... I know that your good friend, Vicki McKenna, and your other good friend, Jay Weber, have really taken so kindly to the Citizen Action Radioactive project and um, the assertion that, you know, they can't just say whatever they want with no sort of um, ramifications. And so this week, basically, this was it this week, um, you know, our friends are saying that hate speech is free speech when they say it. And, you know, liberals be damned with you and your liberal media. You can't stop us. Well, and let me give the listeners, because they're all over the state, wide amount of background. I think we've talked about on the podcast before a number of times that Radioactive is our project to try to break the right-wing media monopolies, the radio monopoly in particular, and it was started by our organizing cooperative in Milwaukee, uh, which is member-run. And so uh, we don't, we've, we're hiring a staff position uh, for that. We're not staffed up yet. Uh, but our volunteers have been listening to the right-wing talk shows and capturing little tidbits. And one thing they captured was an outrageous statement by Jay Weber, who is uh, a morning uh, right-wing talk show from Milwaukee, uh, saying that, because uh, they're trying to blame Tammy Baldwin, as everyone knows, for the Toma VA opiate uh, scandal. 
And, of course, this is part of their, uh, obviously, they're working years in advance to try to make a big issue for her reelection in 2018. Uh, but Weber said, going really over the line, that uh, perhaps if, if, the, uh, if the veterans had been gay, Tammy Baldwin would have looked out for them and they'd be alive today. And so one of our volunteers simply put this up on Facebook with the recording, and then the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, columnist Dan Bice uh, saw that and wrote a story about it. And so this seems all appropriate, right, that uh, someone says something horrendous and bigoted against Tammy Baldwin for her sexual identity, and then you would, and then, and then it was revealed in social media, and that became a story because it's so outrageous. Does that seem reasonable to you, Jorna? No. Okay. <laughs> so... Vicki McKenna, who's on in Madison and Milwaukee and follows Jay Weber in Milwaukee, uh, she took umbrage, attacked Radioactive, and claimed, among many other things, and I have a blog on this that Brian will provide a link to, and you can hear the audio on that blog, um, said essentially we were repressing the free speech of Jay Weber, and this is about shutting down conservative speech. And so it's a great example of what the conservative vision of free speech is. She also said, by the way, it's just like John Doe, which apparently was shined down that free speech. And so uh, the whole Civil United decision, the whole theory behind it by the right and the coke as they call it, machine was to try to frame the right of billionaires to dominate elections and dominate the airwaves as a civil rights issue like, like the civil rights era. And so that's what she's saying here. But if you think about it, she's saying that even critiquing someone's speech, making it public and they say outrageous, is a violation of their free speech. But by the way, it's not a violation of free speech that all the major commercial stations uh, that have talk, that, that the large ones with, with big audiences, have right-wing, right-wingers. That's not a violation of free speech. So free speech for them is a monologue and a monopoly. And so my answer other than the blog where I take apart this argument is to challenge Vicki McKenna to a debate on free speech because obviously she cares about the exchange of ideas which is the heart of free speech and she'll want her listeners to hear both sides of what free speech is. Don't you think, Jorna? Oh my God, I'm so excited. And if she says no to the debate, Robert, you know what I'm <laughs> going to say, don't you? You should challenge uh, her to an arm wrestling what? competition. <laughs> Ah, that can be the follow-up, the fallback position. <laughs> uh, look, I, in all seriousness, I mean, this is this is ridiculous. I love how well this is. It's ridiculous and it's typical, right? The right can change the rules to how they apply, how they want them to apply to their speech and their work and their policies. But when there's any sort of progressive agenda or any sort of even just nonpartisan pushback on their ridiculousness, then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're oppressing our freedoms and freedom, freedom of freedoming and hate speech. So, you know, I, good work, Robert. I hope free speech is and they need to be called on it. I mean, is there really is it really free speech when only right wing candidates get fifteen hours a day of free airtime every day in Wisconsin on the major stations? That's free speech to them. Critiquing anything outrageous they say is apparently a violation of free speech. So it really is a nether world or a Wellian world with these guys. But uh, what Radioactive is gonna do is to call this out and we've already shown even without staff how effective this can be and how much it can discredit these people. The next step is to discredit them so much, these corporate owners, these stations, actually are forced to have balance for a change. Well, Robert, as you well know, freedom isn't free. It's paid for by the Koch brothers. Uh, so with that, Robert, are you doing anything else other than being down in Orlando and hanging out with Mickey Mouse this weekend? 
Well, it depends when the platform committee ends. I'm not flying out till Sunday evening back to Milwaukee. And so if it ends early enough that I might try to do something, I need to figure out what. I've never planned to go to Orlando. I've never been there, so I don't know if the Epcot Center is the place to go or whether Universal Studios, which I'll be closer to, is better. So hopefully I can figure that out. It's all a question of how long the uh, platform uh, committee stuff goes. And I will say that Bernie's people have been very good about trying to uh, winnow, sift and winnow, to use a Wisconsin ID idea uh, concept, all of the various uh, proposals, amendments that, that were brought forward by Bernie platform uh, committee members into just 30 that Bernie wants to see. And so that, that will make things go more efficiently because otherwise we could be there for days and days and days with, uh, with, with people's various ideas, which are not going to be accepted by either of the lead, the lead candidates. Um, so feel the burn, looking out for Robert's weekend furlough. I want to ask uh, Brian Woldridge, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, uh, not much. I'm going to be playing a little show at Summerfest at 8, 8 p.m. on Saturday night on the Briggs & Stratton stage with my band, the Woldridge Brothers. Which... Is awesome because it brings me to my weekend furlough that uh, you should all come on down and join me to watch the Wildridge Brothers at 8 p.m. at Summerfest, the world's largest music festival, to see my friend Brian play at 8 p.m. on the Briggs & Stratton stage. And then on Sunday, I'm so excited, my mom is coming down to see Sting and Peter Gabriel with me. So a music weekend for Jorna. With that, I have once they, again. I, I had one question: Are they going to? Are you? Are the viewers, listeners, going to have to like get through a whole bunch of screaming teenagers to be able to be in an eye shot of Brian and his brother? I don't think so. I think it's senior night at uh, Summerfest. So. <laughs> no, it's very much more a Justin Bieber crowd. <laughs> Oh, and with that, poking fun at Brian Wildridge is always fun. Uh, I have once again been your host, Jorna Taylor, for this week of the Bad Ground Wisconsin podcast, and I look forward to seeing you all next week for another exciting edition. Keep it classy, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs>